evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the January 18th, 2015 edition of Season 2 of The Court Report on the Nachum Siegel Network, the premier place to get all your sports news and information regarding the Yeshiva League. The Court Report comes to you every Sunday night at 7 p.m., as well as an encore presentation on Tuesday night at 7 p.m., right here on the Nachum Siegel Network. Every week, we'll take a look back and a look ahead at all things Yeshiva League. Had a game this week? Let us know. You can friend me on Facebook. You can also send me a message. My name is Elliot Weiselberg. That's W-E-I-S-E-L-B-E-R-G. Or you can like the Court Report fan page. You can also follow me and tweet me on Twitter. My name is Y-L-S Wiseguy. That's Y-L-S-W-E-I-S-G-U-Y. Because if I don't know about it, we can't talk about it. Thank you again to our amazing sponsor, Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. They've been servicing the Yeshiva League for over a decade now. And if you've won a championship, you already have one of their amazing pieces of art in your house. Please give Mike, Larry, and the entire gang a call at 718-769-4111 for all of your trophy and plaque needs. Again, I'm your host, Elliot Weiselberg, coach, official, analyst, but most of all, like you, I am a Yeshiva League fan, and I am humbled and privileged to be able to share the amazing efforts and accomplishments of these kids with you each and every week right here on The Court Report. If you have a smartphone and haven't downloaded the NSN app already, please do so. You'll have access to all of this season's episodes and this season's episodes as well of The Court Report. Plus, you'll be able to send comments in for each show. Please keep the comments nice. Much like the show is not about me criticizing, degrading, or disrespecting players or coaches, please be courteous enough to do the same. Well, hi again, everyone. I hope you're all enjoying your vacations, those of you that have off. It's a good thing that things are a little slow over the last week because I'm a little sick, and so I apologize for any coughing or sneezing that might occur over the next hour. Um, There were a few games on the week, though, because some schools are not on vacation, as I've come to learn over the last few years. You know, a lot of the uh, the Long Island schools and some of the Jersey schools have off during during this time, but there are some schools, uh, you know, in the city or in, you know, in the Bronx that, or Westchester, you know, they have their vacation in the middle of December with, uh, with public schools. So it gets a little confusing, but this time of the year you get mostly West schools having games. And so you'll see that as a, uh, as a, you know, as a theme mostly on today's show. I, I, I got to, I had a little bit of time on my hands, so I got I asked to officiate a, a Hamish Junior High hockey game this week, which was broadcast on YouTube. You know, I got to tell you, it's really interesting to see how a couple of years ago there was no broadcast going on in the Yeshiva League, hockey, basketball, high school, and now it's gotten to the point where not only is it high school, but it's gotten down to junior high school, uh, which I think is incredible. You know, it's amazing how how kids are getting to branch out and actually gain personalities. You know, despite the fact that the uh, the kids for the the game I was refing, it was S.A.R. Kushner, uh, were, they were very vocal and incorrectly so about several things, but it, it's just a fun experience in general. You know, I would love to get an initiative going where all schools had a broadcast going for games so kids can actually develop personalities behind the mic and see if this is something for them. Uh, I didn't have that when I was younger, and it wasn't really until Isaac Benishai shoved the mic in front of my face and told me to just be me that I learned how to call a game or become an on-air personality. There, there are so many Jews in the broadcasting game. Marv Albert, Kenny Albert, Rich Eisen, Chris Berman, Howie Rose, Sam Rosen, Mr. Miracle, Al Michaels. The list goes on and on, and it's not even counting how many have come before them. Now, why can't the next great sports broadcaster get his start right here from our very own Yeshiva League circles? I think it would be a great thing to get started, and I think the schools and the kids can have a lot of fun with it. 
I know a lot of schools are already doing broadcasts on their own, uh, but I think maybe it's time to get everybody in on the game just a little bit. Speaking of broadcasts, thank you to Zach Fine and Joey McGillner for dropping my name 13 times in an interview done uh, between one of the periods of the SAR Ramaz Varsity game on Thursday night in a three-minute span. Heck, I don't even say my own name that many times in an hour. Just out of curiosity, am I going to be called Weaselberg for the rest of my life now? Now, when I have kids, are they going to come home and ask me, Daddy, why do my teachers call me Weaselberg? And I have to say, uh, because your daddy is an idiot and never corrected people, and now you're going to be scarred for life. Enjoy childhood! You know, in that time, you'd also think that in mentioning my name 13 times, that they would drop a plug for the court report. Not one. Uh, so much for free advertising. So anyhow, on to this week in sports. Uh, this week, we're going to cover the hockey uh, playoff scenarios. Next week we'll get to basketball. I, in putting it together, I just realized it wasn't going to be enough time in one show to actually do both. So we're going to split it up because next week is still going to be a bit of a slow week. So we're going to do hockey this week. Uh, we're going to just retouch uh, girls basketball just a little bit, uh, just because I have a, uh, a little bit of an interesting perspective on one of the things that I was speaking about last week. And we're also going to go through basketball, where big news from last week uh, in terms of not in league play, but outside of league play. And uh, so we'll get to that uh, this week, and we'll touch on basketball playoff situations next week. Before we get started, a message to Jonathan Malik and Jason Silverstein. Challenge accepted. I'm starting off with basketball. What are you going to do about it? Starting with varsity basketball uh, this week, the biggest news of the week was not from the Yeshiva League, but rather the Scott Satchin Memorial Tournament last Sunday, just moments after we went off the air. Last Sunday featured the 2015 edition of the Scott Satchin Memorial Basketball Tournament hosted by Hafter. Participating in the event were varsity teams from Hafter, North Shore, Hank, and DRS. In the first round, DRS edged out North Shore 37-32 in overtime, while Hafter uh, dispatched Hank in a close matchup to set up another match between the two schools, having already met twice this year in the regular season with Hafter winning both. But what would a rivalry between the two be without a little comeuppance every now and then? Gabriel Leifer dropped 31 points in the finals to lead the DRS Wildcats over Hafter, handing the Hawks their first loss this school year. Thankfully for Hafter, the games did not count for the school league, so in in Yeshiva League play, their record is still spotless. But let's remember back to last year's tournament, where it was host Hafter doing the upsetting of eventual league champion North Shore. So for the Hawks, this could just be a minor bump in the road. But if you're a team like Frisch or TABC or even DRS, this gives you some hope that there is a blueprint to take the Hawks down in the postseason. Now, back to actual Yeshiva League play. There was only one game on the week, and it featured two West teams, Ramaz and SAR. Now, this game was extremely important for a few reasons. Ramaz, prior to this game, was 7-6, and six, astounding considering that they entered the month of December, which was the halfway point of their season, at 5-2. and two. A win over SAR would slam the door on the roller coaster season and punch their postseason ticket. SAR went into this game at 3-7 and seven on win by SAR would drop Ramaz to 7-7 seven and seven and give SAR a glimmer of hope that they can tie Ramaz at that mark to go to the tiebreak. While they got there, we first had a, uh, had a game to play, and in a game that they desperately needed, the Stink stayed alive, dominating Ramaz for a 60-42 victory. Rafi Kabarski led SAR with 12 points, while Andrew Pitkoff followed up with 11. 
As a result, Ramaz has now dropped five of their last six to drop to the 500 mark. SAR is now at four and seven, still in contention, but must win out to do so. If they do, they will tie with Ramaz and will go to the tiebreak, which is still not fully determined, but if things end up how they look to, even if SIR wins out, Ramaz will probably still take that tiebreak. So the only real hope is to win and have JEC lose out. We'll get more into that next week when we take a look at basketball's postseason scenarios, but a lot can be sorted out this week when Heschel and SAR play. A Heschel win and things get very uncomplicated with our six playoff teams being, being decided and SAR on the outside looking in. All that would be left would be seeding. An SAR win and they'll move up to 5-7, and seven, uh, drop Heschel to 7-5, and five, and really makes us at the court report and the league work for our pay in determining the playoff situation. Again, having not fully figured out what the situation is with the, uh, with the tiebreak between Ramaz and SAR, uh, won't know until next week what the Heschel win would really do for for you know, for SAR, but I believe that it would give Ramaz the final spot and leave SAR on the outside looking in. Don't quote me on that, just the way it looks at this point. Going to the standings now in the East, Hafter, DR, you know, it stays the same, Hafter are 12 and 0, DRS 10 and 2, North Shore 9 and 3, Mag and David 6 and 5, YDE 6 and 6, Hank 5 and 7, Flatbush 4 and 8, Derkator and Rambam 1 and 12. That's going to stay the same over the next week as well. Out to the uh, out to the west, Frisch still a perfect 12 and 0 with the division uh, championship. Uh, the uh, they take the one seed. TABC at 9 and 3. Heschel, Hillel, and Ramaz, uh, all in tandem, 7-4, and 7-5, and five, and 7-7. Seven and seven. JEC right behind them at 6-6. Six and six. SAR at 4-7, and seven, still alive, and out of the playoff picture, MTA at 3-10, and 10, and Kushner at 0-12. Oh As I said, this coming week, only one game, and that'll be the uh, SAR-Heschel game this coming Wednesday night at 7-15. I believe that game is going to be live-streamed on YouTube. Uh, they generally do it, so I, I, I would tend to believe that it's going to be done so. I, I applaud SAR's broadcasting um, crews this year. They've done a wonderful, wonderful job, and they've joined the ranks of TABC um, and, and a handful of others who have really gotten the broadcasting game off the ground. But it seems like they're being very proactive and very progressive in really just allowing people to branch out and uh, and have some fun with it. Taking a look at the Jewish Hoops American National Top 25 from last week, uh, we got a change at the guard at the top because of the loss. Uh, the uh, Hafter Hawks have dropped from the one spot all the way down to the three. Uh, moving above them are Frisch at number one and DRS at number two. Now, Frisch I can get, but I'm just a little perplexed as to why DRS moves up. I know DRS defeated them uh, in the Saturn in the Saturn tournament. I, I understand that you, you know you got to take into consideration that they did beat them, but it's a tournament. I mean, when it comes to league play, you know, half just beaten them twice. I, I I sort of think that we may give a little too much credence to tournaments, or right? even with Avi with what Avi Bornstein said earlier on in the year. I know. You know, teams want to win the tournaments, but a tournament is a chance for a team to experiment a little bit. And I don't know if you could really use tournaments as a measuring stick for exactly how well a team uh, actually plays or or what their capabilities are. So I would, you know, I don't think the game should be taken with a grain of salt per se. But I kind of think that we're giving a little too, or that the the voters are giving a little too much credence to DRS after that one. I, I 
believe that it's a good rivalry, but I think that I think that Hafter has done enough this year to earn that spot. Uh, even even if it's Frisch, I can't really argue with because Frisch has played extremely well since uh, since the Cooper tournament, and they've blown out teams and they've dominated teams that have that are very close to the top. So that I can see, but I, I just can't see why DRS gains the nod over the one half that's already taken them out twice. It's just something for the voters to think about. But to, to, to three first place votes, uh, three votes that were with Hafter last week, I just I can't see that. And um, So just rounding out the rest of the top five, North Shore in the four spot, Eula in the five. Right below Eula is Heschel in six. So again, Yeshiva League with five of the top six spots and seven of the top ten as TABC comes in at ninth. Uh, Hillel comes in at the 14 spot. Ramaz right behind them at 15. JEC at 18. Flatbush at 22, dropping one spot. Hank entering the mix uh, after having not been there to begin with. So congratulations after playing very close in the Saturn tournament. Again, giving more credence to uh, one game in a tournament than you would to an entire season in the Yeshiva League. But congratulations to them nonetheless. SAR, YDE. Uh, and that's it for the Yeshiva League getting votes. Um, we'll take a look. Uh, we'll see if there's anything that happens over the week that changes that changes things around. Again, I just think that this week's uh, last week's poll just gave a little too much um, a little too much lean towards a one-day tournament and not really to what's gone on the entire season. Moving over to JV basketball, this week there were two games played, both involving Heschel. The Heat entered the week at 3-3 three and three in the bubble position in the race for the playoffs, this mainly being because they had played two games less than anybody else entering. But the week would turn out to be a very revealing one for the JV West. The Heat would take on SAR and Ramaz, SAR 6-1 and one entering the night, needing a win to keep pace with MTA for the top spot in the Western Conference. Heschel kept the game tight through the first half, only down 5 going into the break. But on the other end, SAR went on a 21-9 run to close the door, earning a 60-44 win. Daniel Wazatsky scored 22 for the victorious Sting. Dovi Marcus added 11. With the win, the Sting only have one game between them and a battle for the division, that being a return bout with Heschel this coming Thursday night, uh, the only game on the week ahead. If they come out of that game unscathed, it'll set up a rematch with MTA on the 29th for their shot at the division crown. We'll take a more in-depth look into the basketball playoff scenarios for JV next week, along with the results of this game, and we'll preview the rest of the battle for that number one seed. Back to Heschel, though. The Heat had three days to regroup to take on the Ramaz Rams. This would not be the first time that these two teams did battle this year. Back in early November, Ramaz handed Heschel their first loss on the season, a 58-35 drubbing in Ramaz. The Rams at 5-4 and four came into this game needing a win to assure themselves of a first-round playoff home game and an outside shot at the three-seed. Heschel, on the other hand, needing a win to get back to the 500 mark and get themselves a game ahead of JEC in the battle for the final playoff spot in the West, a spot that they sorely need considering JEC holds a tiebreak between the two. I mean, you know, maybe that was the motivation that the Heat needed because Heschel escaped with a 46-43 to win. Now, both Ramaz and Heschel do sit at 500. The Rams at 5-5 five and five after losing three straight to, uh, to end the regular season. Losses to SAR, Frisch, and now Heschel. Uh, it seems like losses to end the regular season have become a trend with Ramaz, as you'll also see in hockey. Uh, they now teeter perilously on the perch of possibly missing out on a first-round home game, depending on uh, what happens 
with Heschel, JEC, and TABC. Heschel, sitting at 4-4, four and four, now has a one-game lead on JEC with a game in hand, but two tough games against TABC and SAR ahead. Heschel will likely want some cushion because JEC's one remaining game will be with winless Hillel, whom the Thunder doubled up earlier this year by the score of 62-31. to 31. Taking a look at the standings, the East again remained the same, Flappish at 9-0, Hafter at 7-1, North Shore at 7-2, DRS, uh, Rambam, Hank, Shari, Torah, YDE, and Mag and David, all within a pack, still fighting for the playoffs, and we'll hopefully have this all worked out for you next week. DRS at 4-4, four and four, Rambam and Hank at 4-5, and five, Shari at 3-5, and five, YDE and Mag and David at 3-6, and six, Ezra in the back at the end of their season at 0-10. Out in the West, at the top, as we said, SAR and MTA tied at 7-1. and one. Frisch at 6-2. and two. Ramaz at 5-5. Five and five. TABC and Heschel both at 4-4. Four and four. JEC at 3-6. and six. Kushner at 2-7. And, and Hillel at 0-8. As for games on the week, the only one on this coming week, Heschel and SAR will meet up this Thursday night at 7.30 in SAR. Let's move over to girls basketball now. I know we did the girls playoffs last week. We're just going to revisit it and update after what happened over the week. We'll start off with girls B, where there were no games on the past week, but I want to revisit the interesting scenario from last week that I discussed with you. So, over the week, the league posted tie-breaking procedures uh, on the website, and here is apparently how it works. Uh, for two teams, it's going to go head-to-head. Next is going to be record, uh, record versus playoff teams by percentage. Third would be record in the division, and fourth would be a coin flip or play-in, depending on what they're playing for. If it's going to be for seeding, you know, for seeding one through three, it's going to be a coin flip just to determine where they go. If it's going to be a play-in game for the final spot, then they're going to go to actual games. For three teams, it would be, first would be head-to-head combined for all teams. uh, Second would be record versus playoff teams uh, by percentage for all teams. Third would be record in the division. Fourth would be a coin flip. I'm not sure how. I I guess you can probably, maybe you can find a three-headed coin somewhere, but I don't know how they would divide that up and have one team versus one team who who would face who. I'm not really sure. And once it goes down to two teams, uh, they go back to the two-team tie-breaking procedure. So remember how I talked about the interesting possibilities that still exist, including a potential for a three-way tie for the final spots with no possible resolution in sight? Well, the tie-breaking procedures actually do shed some light on this. We currently have Elon at 6-3, and Chalhevit at 6-5, and five, and Mag and David at 4-5. and five. So stick with me as I run through this. Let's assume, as I said last week, that SKA, Bruya, and Shalamis, uh the games that Elon, Chalhevit, and Mag and David have against them, Go by the numbers, as they say. So the standings would be the following. Elon dropping two to SKA would be six and five. Shalhevit losing to Bruria would be six and six. And Mag and David beating Shalamith and losing to Bruria would be five and six. So it leaves the one game on February 2nd, Elon and Mag and David, to decide things. An Elon win would pretty much just make things all, you know, as they are. Elon would get the three seed. I believe I said last week the uh, two seed accidentally. They would be the three seed. And would travel likely to Bruria, who would hold the two seed, while Shalhevit will square off with SKA. But if Mag and David wins, let me remind you, all three teams would be six and six, with a combined two and two record against each other, having split the season series between the three of them. So, Wins against each other, I'm sorry, wins would be tied. Head-to-head would be tied two and two with each other. So record versus playoff teams would be as follows. Elon would be 0-4 versus SKA and Bruria. I'm only choosing SKA and Bruria because we already know that the games with Shalhevin and Mag and David, if they count, would already be 
even because they're two and two. So they would have uh, it would be we already know, we already know about the two wins two losses. So we don't need to add them into the equation. I'm just going to simplify it by making the difference uh, against uh, for the games against the other two teams that are already in the playoffs. Shalhevet would also be zero and four. Mag and David would also be 0-4. So no resolution. We're tied again. Looking at the next one, record in division, well, in Girls B, there's only one division, so there is no real difference. So, now, coin flip. Again, not sure how that would work. Well, now, we have a predicament. What do we do that would be fair to all teams? Well, uh, over the last week, given that it was vacation, I had a bit of time on my hands, uh, not having to coach teams or hold practices, and I, I got to thinking how I would handle the situation if it were up to me. And I came up with the following solution, which I think would be fair, because it leaves the uh, it leaves the decision in the hands of the girls. Since the girls' B-League has only two rounds of playoffs, given that only four teams make it, they have a semifinal and a championship, there's a little more time to play with, given how the other leagues go for much longer. So what I would suggest is how about adding a three-game play-in series? After the season ends, you have three consecutive nights. You have the three teams get together, whether it's um, uh, one home and one away to each team, where you have all three on a neutral court, but they face each other, however you would do it. You have all three play against each other for the right to go to the playoffs. After the three games, you'll have the following. You'll either have at least one team with a 2-0 and record, and one team with a 1-1 and record, and one team with an 0-2 record. Or, I mean, if this is the case, then that's pretty simple. The team with the 2-0 and record gets the 3 seed, the team with the 1-1 and record gets the 4 seed, and the team with the 0-2 and record is on the outside looking in. That's the simple the simple scenario. If, the, if it goes the other way, where all three teams are 1-1, one and one, well then, I know it's not that much different from the situation we're in now, but you can make it its own little series and use the tiebreakers from that series. You can go like this, and keeping in line with the league not wanting to have scores run up, you go by least points allowed in the three-game series. So the the least amount of points gets the three seed, the next to least amount of points gets the four seed, and the most points allowed would be the five seed. And that's a combined from the games that they played. If that's tied, I know you have to start creating different scenarios. So if that's tied, and only if that's tied, you go by most points scored in the three-game series. Just because it would only, it, just because it's very unlikely that after number one you'll still have you'll still have ties. But it would be a last resort. And if there's if there comes a point where you know where two teams are tied for something, then you go based on who won the game between the two. So this is just my suggestion. I know that I know that they're probably. Uh, I mean, I, I know the league isn't just digging its head in the sand, waiting for this to happen. Or, or I know that they're getting. I know they're probably very proactive and coming up with something. And hopefully, we'll get some resolution over the next couple of weeks, or it'll work itself out by not happening at all. But this is pretty crazy. I, I mean, I haven't actually seen something like this, but. Um, uh, we're in for a very, very special treat, assuming something like this happened. Like I said, I just hope the league isn't burying its head in the sand like an ostrich, just uh, hoping that this works itself out. Um, I don't know, give me your suggestions. If you can think of anything that might help the league out, I, I think that this one was pretty fair, but I'm open to to hearing new ones. Uh, send me a message with, with, your, uh, with your suggestions, and let's see what we can do to help the league out. All right, moving over to Girls A. The East had only one game on the week, uh, a very lopsided score between the East's top-ranked team, uh, Ramaz, 
and the now last place team, Heschel, after Ramaz clobbered them 63-19. to uh, The game did nothing for either team in terms of standings or playoffs, and the East remains just as it did last week. In the West, however, major, major happenings last Sunday. The Frisch Cougars upended the SAR Sting 38-36 to pull SAR down out of a tie for first with Bruria, and now into a tie for second with Frisch. Now, Bruria needs only a win or an SAR loss to clinch the division. SAR and Frisch would then battle for the second and third seed, with Frisch holding the tiebreak and their last game against Hillel, whom they beat by six two weeks ago. Uh, but recapping, if Bruria loses to Hillel, SAR defeats Maya Note, and Frisch defeats Hillel, all three teams would still end up in a tie at 9-3. and three. I know we discussed this last week, but I, I think it really bears mentioning again. The head-to-head would look like this. Frisch would be 2-1 and one, with two wins over SAR and a loss to Bruria. SAR would be 2-2 two and two with two wins to Bruria and two losses to Frisch. Bruria would be 1-2 and two with a win over Frisch and two losses to SAR. So if all three end up tied, Frisch takes the division, SAR gets the two-seed, and Bruria finds themselves dropping from first to third. So Frisch did themselves a really, really big favor by beating SAR last week. They can still capture the division. Um... Right now, the only hope for SAR is to take the, uh, to take the division crown would be to have Bruria lose to Hillel, SAR defeat Maya Note, and have Frisch lose their game to Hillel. So SAR and Bruria would be tied at nine and three, with SAR holding the tiebreak as a result of the two wins over the Lightning, and Frisch would have dropped back to the third seed at eight and four. Um, there are no games on the coming week for Girls A, so this is going to stay the same throughout the next week. So we'll pick this up on the other side of the vacation. Uh, moving over to Girls JV, Girls JV had the most action of any girls sports this week with two games on the slate. In the first, the JV segment of that Frisch SAR battled, yet another Frisch team drove a dagger into the Sting's chances for a division title. In this one, the Cougars defeated SAR 54-49. to as a result, Frisch finishes their season at 6-4 and four and will only be able to take third place. Now you're saying to yourself, what if SAR loses two games? Won't they be tied at 6-4? and four? Because SAR is currently in 6-2. and two. two losses would drop the Sting into a tie with Frisch, with whom they've split the season series, and would have the same number of wins against playoff teams. Uh, so that would send us to the next tiebreaker, record in division. In this case, SAR would be 5-3. and three with losses to Mayanote, Frisch, and Westchester, while Frisch would only be 4-4, four and four, meaning that SAR would automatically get the second seed. Let's take a look just to see whether and how true that is. So Frisch would have wins over a win over SAR, 1, a win over Kushner, 2, and 2 wins over Westchester. That's 4. They would have losses to SAR, Mayanote, twice, and Kushner, making them 4-4. Four and four. SAR... Like we said, including their the last two losses. The problem is one of those two losses would be to Hafter, so it's an out of division loss. Maya Note, one and one, Frisch one and one, so they're two and two. And they have three wins over Kushner and uh, two wins over Kushner, one win over Westchester. They'd split with Westchester. So they would be five and three. That would be the that would be accurate then. Um so now you see how it would work out between the two because of the new tiebreaker uh, proceedings that were put up this week. At the race for the top, Mayanote is currently in command of their own destiny with only one game remaining against winless Westchester. A win or an SAR loss in their last two games gives Mayanote the division crown. However, should SAR win both their games and Mayanote lose to Westchester, the two would be tied in wins and have split head-to-head, tied in playoff uh, record versus sorry, tied in record versus playoff opponents, and both would have identical 6-2 records in the division, sending us to a true coin flip to determine the division crown. 
Moving over to the east, the only team east of the East River to play over the week after defeated Ramaz 36-15 to to up their record to 4-5, and now putting the pressure on Central. Hafter will have uh, SAR in their final game. Central has two games remaining with Flatbush and North Shore. Should Central lose both, Hafter will get the three seed. If Central and Hafter end up tied, it would go to the tiebreak scenario. Both split their season series. Their record against playoff opponents by percentage would be as follows. Hafter would either be 3-5 and five or 2-6, and six, depending on the SAR games, and Central would either be 2-5 and five or 3-4, and four, meaning that if they end up tied at any point, Central would have the better percentage, giving them the 3 seed. So effectively, the East 3 seed boils down to this. Hafter needs a win and Central a loss or two Central losses to clinch. Um, otherwise, Central will get the 3 seed. Once again, you are listening to the Court Report on the Nakam Seal Network, sponsored by Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. I'm your host, Elliot Weiselberg, taking you through the week in Yeshiva League sports. We are now going to move over to hockey, uh, starting off with JV. More West action. Frisch, SAR, and Ramaz, the three teams in action in the last two games, uh, in the two games on the week. Ramaz being the common team for both games. So the Rams came into the week at 3-4-0-1, seven points, needing to win both of their last two games. Uh, the two games this week uh, in order to jump ahead of MTA into the last playoff spot in the West. Unfortunately, the week was not kind to the Rams. The first game, Monday night, featured Ramaz taking on Frisch, uh, coming off of Frisch's uh, frustrating loss to TABC on Saturday night. Uh, Frisch carrying their pent-up energy into a, a needed matchup, which we'll discuss in just a moment. Whatever it was, Frisch got the job done, dropping a dozen on the Rams for the second time this season, having done so before in mid-November. The final score here was 12-0. As a result, the Rams have been eliminated from postseason contention, meaning that our five West playoff teams have been determined. They will be SAR, Frisch, TABC, JEC, and MTA. The only thing left to be determined in the West is seeding. Uh, for Frisch, the win pushed them out to 6-2, and two, putting them back into a tie with TABC in the battle for the second seed in the West. Both teams are also still in the race for the number one seed as well, though the next game on the week would be the first step in deciding that race. Ramaz's final game would be Thursday night in the rink in SAR. Uh, through the first period, it looked like this would be a good one, as SAR led only one nothing on a Solomon Freilich goal, and uh, with the sting without Gordy Kolb as a result of the last meeting with Ramaz. But in the second, an abundance of scoring, seven goals in the period, five by the ho- by the home team Sting, en route to what would be a 9-2 final. Freilich would finish with a hat-trick, as would Shua Friedman. Judah Fortgang would record two goals, and Ellie Gelfand would round out the victor's score sheet. Jacob Smigel and Ali Haddad would put home the, fi- the two final goals for the Rams on the season. Uh, we'll get to what this means to SAR in just a moment when we discuss the playoff situation, but for Amaz, this means that they will end their season in sixth place in the West at 3-6-0-1, uh, with seven points, one position short of the playoffs. Before we get into the playoff scenarios, let's remind you about how the playoffs works in JV hockey and varsity hockey for that measure. Last year, the JV League uh, actually had four teams in each conference. It was one through four, and it would go straight into Olympic-style competition, where you'd have the West four, uh, we'd have the West one team against East four, West two against East three, and it would be bracketed differently. I, I'll explain the bracketing differently. But this year, the way it works uh, for for JV. I'll get to varsity in just a second. The way it works for JV is that you have five teams. It's one through three uh, are order, are automatically in, 
and four and five have plans. But how does that work? The way it works is you will go, if you're a four and five team, you're going to go cross, uh, cross conference. So if you're the East four, you will take on the West five. And if you're the West four, you're going to take on the East five. How will that fit into the playoff situation? Well, the way it would work is if one of the fives defeats a four, they automatically get put into that four slot. So let's say it's East five against West four. Uh, if the East five team wins, they automatically become the West four and they'll go on to face the East one in the first actual round of the playoffs. It's a little confusing, but if you followed the NHL last year where they had something similar, then this, uh, this could be a lot easier for you. So in the West, now that we know who our five playoff teams are, let's take a look at the standings of those teams. Uh, in first is SAR at 8 and 0 with 16 points. In second is Frisch at 6 and 2 with 12 points. In third is TABC at 6 and 2 with 12 points. Uh, Frisch and TABC tied. Uh, in fourth, JEC 5 and 3 with 10 points. And in fifth, MTA 5 and 5 with 10 points. MTA is locked into that fifth spot. SAR will still have, uh, two games to play against, uh, Frisch and JEC. Frisch will play SAR and TABC, both of which will have interesting uh, implications on potential tiebreakers. TABC still has to face Frisch and Westchester. JEC has Hillel and SAR. MTA has no games remaining, as I just said, is locked into the five spot. In terms of spots that uh, each team could hold, SAR has locked up one of the top two spots and will host a game in the first round. I call this the first round. Anything with the play-in games, so the four or five games, I'll refer to as, as play-in or preliminary rounds. So don't get confused when I say first round game and you think it's a 4-5 game. I mean the first round of the actual playoffs is when we only have eight teams left. Um, so Frisch, TABC, and JEC can place anywhere from two through four. And as I said, MTA blocked into the five spot. So let's start out at the top and discuss the Western Division crown. Two teams still have a shot at the number one seed, SAR and Frisch. Uh, we'll explain why TABC cannot in a couple of moments. Right now, SAR has a commanding grip on that spot and can win the division with either a win in their last two games against Frisch or JEC or a Frisch loss to TABC. Obviously, it would also mean a loss uh, uh, for it could also mean a loss for Frisch in the last game to SAR, but that would be a given in the SAR wins their last two games category. Should SAR lose out and Frisch win their last two games, the two teams would be tied at 16 points uh, and have split the season series uh, because of the need for Frisch to have uh, beaten SAR in Frisch later on uh, over the next two weeks, who defeated them five to three in SAR earlier this season. In that case, the division itself would come down to that dreaded coin flip. For SAR, the win against Ramaz really gave them a bit of cushion. As we mentioned before, Gordy Culp did not play. And it's unknown when he will play again and how much of a factor he'll actually be able to be recovering from a concussion. The win helped them get to a situation where they only needed to win one of their last uh, two games as opposed to a loss, which would have meant a need to run the table, potentially without Kolb to accomplish the same feat. Now, Kolb was on the bench for the Ramaz game the other night, so he may only be steps away from coming back but with a concussion. you got to be a little more careful. Frisch, though, will not have an easy time on their own and will end the season off facing the two teams who handed them their two losses on the season, SAR and TABC. I'm going to put my money on SAR taking the division and Frisch and TABC battling for the two seed, although there is still a way for JEC to sneak into that spot, but a very unlikely one. Uh, for the number two seed, there are several possibilities. The most likely is that Frisch and TABC will battle this one out. Right now, TABC has the upper hand. TABC can 
cannot clinch, cannot take the one seed because of their two losses with SAR. So if they were to end up in a tie with SAR for at, even if SAR were to lose their last two games, Frisch didn't happen to win uh, against TABC. Uh, TABC takes the last two games and t- ends up tied with SAR. SAR would still have the advantage over TABC because they beat TABC twice. Um, so going back to it, the two teams, uh, Frisch and TABC, are tied. And TABC has a game against Westchester, who has not won a game this season. That being the case, Frisch would need to win out to guarantee the second seed. Assuming that TABC defeats Westchester on the 31st, something that should be more than likely but could be put in doubt given the fact that the Storm will be without freshman starting defenseman Akiva Weeder for the remainder of the regular season. Yet another obstacle thrown in the way of a team that has accepted the challenges head-on all year. Assuming that they win that game, Frisch would need to defeat both SAR and TABC in order to assure themselves of the two-seed. If Frisch only wins one of two, it'll come down to whom they defeat. If they defeat SAR but lose to TABC, TABC will have more points and will take the second seed. If they lose to SAR but defeat TABC, it'll come down to, yeah, a coin flip, as the two teams will be tied at 14 points, split the season series, and everything else equal. So Frisch can wind up in a coin flip situation in either scenario that they're involved in. Now, we did say that JEC could find their way in the two-seed. There really is only one way, and the likelihood of it happening is really, really small. JEC would need to win their final two games against SAR and Hillel. Hillel, they've already beaten once this year, so I won't say that beating them is unlikely again. But in addition, they would need to beat SAR. They would need TABC to lose to Westchester and first to lose to SAR, and then have TABC and Frisch tie in their regular season game against each other. It would put SAR at 18 points, JEC at 14 points, and Frisch and TABC tied at 13. Um, in any other scenario, JEC would be in danger of falling off to the four seed. The Thunder do not have the tie break with either team, TABC or Frisch. So any scenario in which they tie with one of them, unless there is a difference in wins, uh, JEC comes out on the losing end. My take on it is that Frisch will defeat TABC and JEC will fall to SAR, relegating them to the four spot. And this would put my West playoff bracket as the following. SAR would get the one spot. Uh, for two and three, the winner of the coin flip between Frisch and TABC would get the two seed. And for the three, the loser of the coin flip would get the three seed. Uh, four would be JEC, and five would be MTA. Remember that. I'm going to get back to it, but just remember that for a couple of seconds. Moving over to the East, there were no games on the week, so we're just going to dive into their playoff situation. Right now, there are six teams fighting for five spots, four of whom have clinched playoff spots. Rombaum at 9-0, and 18 points. Uh, is in first place. DRS at 6-2 and two with 12 points in second place, tied with Flatbush, also at 6-2, and two, 12 points. And in fourth, Hank at 5-4-0-1 oh, with 11 points. Uh, the ones who have not clinched, 5, uh, North Shorts, it's at 4-5-0-1 oh, at 9 points, and number 6, half the right behind them at 4-4, four four, 8 points. The remaining schedules for each team are as follows. Rambam will face Shari Torah. DRS will play Hafter and YDE. Flopper still plays Hafter and Shari Torah. Hank does not have any more uh, games and will play in the 4-5 game, uh, depending on what happens with our remaining two teams for which spot. North Shore is also done, and at 9 points will either have the 5th seed or will be out, and this all depends on what happens with Hafter. Hafter has games against both DRS and Flopper. So let's start out there. All Hafter needs is two points, be it a win or any combination of two ties or overtime losses, 
and they make the playoffs. Otherwise, it's North Shore's spot. Hafter's remaining schedule puts them in an interesting scenario where winning out could net them the second seed. In order to do that, Hafter would need to defeat both Flatbush and DRS and have DRS lose to YDE and Flatbush lose to Share Torah. In that case, Hafter, Flatbush, and DRS would all finish with 12 points. Hafter would win the tiebreak and would hold the two seed because they would have the wins over the two. DRS would take the three because DRS lost to Hafter but defeated Flatbush, and Flatbush, because they ended up 0-2 in the two meetings, would be 0-4. They could get the three seed also if they win both games and only one of the two teams loses their other game. So if Hafter wins over DRS and Flatbush, and say Flatbush beats Shari but DRS loses to YDE, Flatbush would get the two seed, Hafter would get the three seed, DRS would get the four. Now, back to reality, though. YDE hasn't fielded more than five guys in quite a few weeks, and Flopper losing to Shari Torah is extremely unlikely. So let's just assume that one way or another, Hafter will not be fighting for the three or two spot. The four spot is still a possibility. They only need uh, three points to tie Hank, uh, with whom they hold a tiebreaker as a result of a 2-1 win a few weeks ago. A little further up, Rambam has already clinched the number one seed. This leaves DRS and Flappush to figure out the two and three seed. Right now, there are two. Uh, the two are tied at 12 points, with DRS holding the tiebreak. So let's assume that both teams win their games against the Brooklyn opponents. It'll come down to the Hafter games to determine who will host in the first round. If DRS loses to Hafter, Flappish will have the opportunity to sneak in and steal away the two-seed with a point against Hafter. Uh, remember, for Flappish to have the two-seed, they must finish ahead of DRS and not tied with them. Hank is just awaiting their fate. So, here is how I see the East shaping out. I see Ramam at the 1, DRS at the 2, Flappish at the 3, Hank at the 4, and either North Shore or Hafter at the 5. I know that's a cop-out, but I, I don't see... I don't see Hank, I don't see Hafter winning both games, so either way you have North Shore or Hafter. So the preliminary games would look like this. You would have East number 4, Hank, hosting West number 5, MTA, and West number 4, JEC, will host East number 5, either North Shore or Hafter. So here's how the brackets would look. The winner of the East 4-5 game becomes the East number 4, even if it's a West team, and will face the West number 1 likely SAR, in the first round. The winner of that will face the winner of the East 2 versus West 3. Uh, in my bracket, that would be the DRS versus the loser of the Frisch TABC coin flip. On the other side of the bra- on the other bracket, East number one Rambam would host the winner of the West number four JEC versus East number five either North Shore or Hafter playing game, and West number two Frisch or TABC, the winner of the coin flip would host East number three Flatbush. Remember, this is just my take. There are some interesting games remaining from each division. Uh, for the East, I'm going to pick the Hafter-Flappers game. Why? I, I do not think that Hafter will defeat DRS on the 31st. This means that the last chance to make the playoffs will be against Flatbush. At that point, it will likely be a case of a team with nothing more to gain against a team with everything to gain. That's not to say that Flatbush will lay down. Not as long as I'm around. But Hafter will come into what they will effectively be what will effectively be a playoff game for them already. This can make for a very interesting game, one that will have North Shore fans on the edge of their seats as they become Flappers fans for one night. In the West, I have three games that I can choose from, but the one that I'll tell the most might actually be the SAR Frisch game on the 29th. Will Cole be ready to play? Will he be at 100%? 
will first have another nightmare game like they did against TABC. If they defeat SAR at home, does this make people rethink the game that the two played in SAR that was a one-goal game down to the last three minutes? Could first take advantage and make a run in the playoffs uh, this year uh, off this game? There are so many questions that flow out of this game, making it more interesting than a game like TABC Frisch or JEC SAR. Looking over at the rankings, no changes at all. Uh, Rombaum with the 1, SAR at the 2, DRS at 3, TABC at 4, Frisch with the win over Ramaz keeping the 5, Flatbush, JEC, Hafter, Hank, and North Shore rounding out the top 10, MTA at 11, Mag and David 12, Ramaz 13 with their 2 losses, Hillel, Westchester, Shari Torah, and Dachayer is rounding out the JV division. Varsity was pretty similar to JV in games. There was one more in addition, and all teams, again, were from the West. The first game on the week actually didn't happen. One week after getting their first win, Heschel forfeited a game to SAR due to a lack of players. As a result, SAR picked up two points and got uh, got to have a free night to await Ramaz, who played Frisch on Monday night. The last time these two teams met about a month ago, Ramaz picked Frisch apart with a 4-1 victory. For Ramaz, a repeat would mean clinching a playoff berth and a chance to fight for a top-three spot. It would also mean the end to Frisch's season. With all that on the line, it makes uh, the, the result all the more surprising as Frisch picked apart the Rams 6-1 to get themselves to 11 points and keep themselves in the playoff hunt. The Rams would have another opportunity to clinch a spot on Thursday night in their last game of the season against SAR. SAR on there and needed this one to put the pressure on Kushner and MTA in the battle for the two-spot in the West. In an intense game as we've come to expect from SAR and Ramaz, again, the Rams came up way short, dropping the game 5 nothing to end their regular season at 8-6. and Jacob Unger scored twice as Riel Lavi, Jesse Shandra, and Sam Schwalbe put home markers for the Sting to improve their record to 9-2-1, and at night 19 points, clinching a playoff berth, and now just need one more win to lock up the two-seed in the West, uh, which would be the same that this group accomplished two years ago as JV players. An interesting note, Ariel Smith, you may have heard of his name mentioned on this show before for SAR in our basketball segments, Smith recently joined the SAR Sting hockey roster, playing all, and he played alongside Unger on the top line and registered two assists. Not bad for a debut, if you ask me. Uh, for Ramaz, the two losses come on the heels of a six-game winning streak that they had going uh, back to the beginning of November when they lost 2-1 to TABC. The Rams seem to have taken a major step backward at what could have been the worst possible time, as now they'll be heading into the postseason on a two-game slide, assuming that they even make it. By finishing at 16 points, Frisch still has a chance to overtake the Rams if Frisch can get at least five of the six remaining possible points on their season, and we'll get to that in just a moment. We've already explained how the playoffs work, as it will follow the same pattern as the JV League. Just to remind you, last year... Uh, or two years ago, let's go to two years ago, where both leagues had, where both divisions had six teams and you had a three versus six and a four versus five. Last year, the West did away with that and only East had that. So now, the varsity goes down from 11 teams to 10 teams joining the fray. We've already started, um, uh, we've already started looking at the West, so let's continue there. Right now, in reality, only two teams have clinched berths, TABC and SAR. There are four teams fighting for the final three spots. Those are Ramaz, Kushner, MTA, and Frisch. Let's take a look at the standings for each of them. TABC is 11-0 with 22 points. SAR is 9-2-1 with 19 points. 
Ramaz at 8-6 with 18 points. Kushner at 7-3-0-1-1 with 15 points. And MTA at 7-4 with 14 points. Frisch is 4-4-1-2 with 11 points. There are quite a few more remaining games here than in JV. TABC still has Heschel, a rematch with Frisch, and what could be a semifinal preview in a season-ending game with DRS. SAR has two games left, MTA and Frisch, and we'll dive into these games in just a second. Ramaz is done. Kushner has Flatbush, Frisch, and Heschel. MTA has SAR, JEC, and North Shore. Frisch has the uphill climb of SAR, TABC, and Kushner. Please remember that schedule for Frisch. Uh, starting at the top, I won't even pretend to believe that TABC won't defeat Heschel, which will be pretty much all they need to wrap up the division. One point is all they need, but a win works all the same. I'm going to go ahead and give the division to the Storm. Sorry, Mo, but if me saying that jinxes it, I'll quit coaching the day after the season ends. Uh, I'm going to skip SAR for a second. Uh, Kushner is in an interesting uh, position. The Cobras can find themselves as high as the two, or even as low as not making the postseason, but with their schedule not making it will be even more difficult. With the game against Heschel and another potential win against Flappish, the Cobras should climb over Ramaz and Frisch to clinch a spot. The question for them is what the Frisch game represents. So by the time that Frisch game is played, Kushner will know where they stand in the battle for the second seed. Uh, while control of the seed is not in their hands, the Cobras are fortunate that the schedule plays out the way it does. So let's bring SAR's schedule back into play for a second. They play MTA on the 27th and Frisch on the 29th. For MTA, the Lions know that on the other side of SAR is JEC and North Shore, both very winnable games. So the game with SAR means a lot to MTA, because should they win out, they too will have a shot at the two-seed. Best yet, the games against SAR will be in NTA, and SAR, outside of a rink against playoff competition, has not fared well at all this year. If that wasn't bad enough for SAR, the game on the 29th against Frisch in Frisch will be the first for Frisch following the break, still in the midst of their desperate playoff run, so SAR will be playing against two teams with an immense amount to play for, both on the road. That's not to say that SAR can't do it, but it's going to be a nightmare. Kushner, on the other hand, gets to watch this all play out. Let's assume that Frisch does beat SAR and MTA also beats SAR, and Kushner drops Flatbush. In the interim, Frisch still has to play TABC. So the Cougars, who have beaten SAR, play TABC. And let's say that they don't win. The game against Kushner at that point is meaningless for Frisch. Not only that, but it will be Frisch's third game in six days. One could very well see Kushner come in, pick up on a potentially worn-out and disinterested Frisch team, then go out to play against Heschel and walk out of the season with the second seed in the West. You know, you want to talk about scheduling playing a key factor? This is one area where it could adversely affect the playoff situation. In terms of MTA, it, like I said, it has three very winnable games and could absolutely push itself into the second or third seed. They only need one win to punch their playoff ticket, and it would also throw Ramaz one more slot down the chart. Ramaz is pretty much at the mercy of everyone else's schedule now, having not gotten the job done on their own. Kushner needs two points to jump them. Uh, they'll probably get it. MTA needs two points to tie them in points, but the Lions hold a tiebreaker, which they'll likely get also. This leaves Ramaz as that fifth seed, hoping beyond hope that Frisch doesn't pull off a playoff run for the ages. But, let's face it though, if Frisch does pull it off, they'll have earned every bit of it and honestly instantly propel themselves from being out of the playoffs to instant championship contenders. Uh, why? Think about it. They'll have beaten SAR, TABC, and Kushner. 
three of the top five teams in the league in six days, assuming that they can still walk by the time the first round comes, the preliminary round comes about. They'll have beaten four playoff teams, if you include the Ramaz game this week, and played TABC close in the game before. That's ridiculous. Unless there are some major collapses, they'd be playing in one of the four or five games too. But man, that would be one team I would not want to see in the postseason, given the implications of what they'd have had to do to get there. Um, as much as I love to see it, uh, I just don't see them getting past TABC, though, which will cut their run short. I will predict that SAR will have a rough time, but will pull out one of the two remaining games, uh, earning the two seed. So here's my West postseason picture. You have uh, number one, TABC, two, SAR, three, Kushner, four, MTA, and five, Ramaz. Now let's take a look at the East. So far, three teams have clinched playoff berths, Hafter, DRS, and Hank. Those teams will fill out the one through three spots, with Hank being locked into the number three seed. The two play-in spots will belong to two of the following teams, uh, North Shore, Rombaum, or Flatbush, with Solomon Schachter holding on to a very, very outside shot at the fifth seed. Looking at the standings, Hafter is 10-1-1, and 21 points. DRS is 10-2 and with 20 points. Hank is 6-3-1-2 sorry, six, three, one and two with 19 points. North Shore at 5 and 7 with 10 points, Rombaum 47019 points, Flopwish 36017 points and Solomon Schechter at 2 and 9 with 4 points. Hafter has two games left, DRS and Flopwish. DRS has Hafter and TABC. Hank has North Shore and Solomon Schechter. North Shore has Hank and MTA. Rombaum has Solomon Schechter and Flatbush. Flopwish has Kushner, Rombaum, Solomon Schechter and Hafter. Solomon Schechter has Rombaum, Hank and Flatbush. So let's start at the top. It's pretty simple for the one seed. The winner of Hafter DRS uh, on the 31st will control their own fate. Either Hafter will have clinched the division, or DRS will be able to do that with a win over TABC uh, or a Hafter loss to Flatbush. Either way, Hafter and DRS will house a first-round playoff game. Going on the road in the first round will be Hank, who, as I said earlier, is locked in the three seed, but can play spoiler with both North Shore and Solomon Schechter. Although they do not know exactly who they will be facing in the first round, I put the odds to be heavy on the fact that they're going to be playing in a rink, which would suit Hank just fine, as opposed to having to go back into MTA after what happened to them uh, there about a month ago. Below them is the interesting development of the season. North Shore sits in the fourth position now, and has two winnable games. On the other hand, with their inconsistent play this year, they could also easily be blown out of their own building by MTA and Hank. One win will likely be all they need to assure themselves of a postseason berth. Uh, sorry, a postseason berth, though. Two losses, though, and they become Rombaum's biggest fans. That's because Rombaum will play Solomon Schechter and Flatbush. Any Solomon Schechter loss will knock Solomon Schechter out. Flopish, on the other hand, has a heck of a schedule ahead of them and really have only two potentially winnable games, those being Salman Schechter, who they've already lost to this year, and Rombaum, who sits in the same boat. It'll be a hard sell for the Falcons to pick up wins in Kushner and Hafter, though, but if North Shore loses two, they could find themselves on the outside. Two losses finishes the star at 10 points. Rombaum currently at 9 and Flopish at 7. Unless there is a tie, one of the two teams... Rombaum and Flatbush will grab two points over the other. If it's Rombaum, North Shore will settle for it because even though it means uh, that North Shore will drop to the fifth seed, it's better than being knocked out of the playoffs, which is what they would be faced with if Flatbush wins. Because Rombaum will have already faced Solomon Schechter, probably picking up two points there, putting them over North Shore. And Flatbush would still get to face Solomon Schechter a few days after, which could spell elimination for North Shore. A Rombaum win just makes life easier in the East for everyone involved. 
for me, heck, I like a little bit of havoc here and there. It keeps things interesting. As I said, for Solomon Schechter, one loss or a Rambam win over a Flatbush, and they're done. Easy enough. So here's how it looks for me. In order to keep things as unbiased as possible, I'm going to assume that things hold form. Not because I don't believe that Flopish won't make it, but because I'd rather not go ahead predicting that they will make it. It's something that needs to be done on the court and not on the Nakam Siegel uh, network. So, number one, Hafter. Number two, DRS. Number three, Hank. Number four, Rama. I feel they'll beat Solomon Schechter anyways. And number five, North Shore. This really gets interesting because of how the games would lay out. Follow me on this. The playing games would be East number four, Rambam, hosting West number five, Ramaz. That would be a repeat of a game played earlier this season in which Ramaz won two to one. This game, uh, that game was in Ramaz. This one would be in Rambam. West number four, MTA, would host East number five, North Shore, which, as I said, is a game that's going to be over the next couple of weeks. Uh, however, this coming game would be in North Shore, whereas the playoffs, I predict, it would be in MTA. And the bracket would look like this. East number one Hafter would host the winner of West number four MTA versus East number five North Shore. The winner to, pay the, to play the winner of West number two SAR hosting East number three Hank. So wait a minute. Another rematch from the regular season, yet again flipping the home location. In the regular season, this game ended in a 2-2 tie. And in the other bracket, you'll have West number one TABC versus East number four Rambam or West number five Ramaz. And East number two DRS against number three West number three Kushner. I'd be really curious to see how these scenarios play out. To be honest, I can easily see five West teams in the round of eight, and I'll swear by it if I could. There's a remote possibility that we could easily see a semifinal with four West teams here, given how things have played over the season. If there was any one year, this would be it. I think that I could even see MTA going on the road to Hafter like it did in 2010, their championship year, and knock off the Flames, uh, and the same for Kushner in DRS. But enough fantasizing, there's still a ton of hockey left to be played. So looking at the week ahead, we're going to go to, uh, sorry, um, well, not really the week ahead because there are no games coming up over the break. So let's just move ahead to the rankings. Mostly stay the same also. Um, for Varsity, TABC at the 1, Hafter at the 2, SAR at the 3, uh, with their, uh, their win over Ramaz keeps them there. Kushner at 4, DRS at 5, MTA at 6. The move upward, Frisch moves from 8th to 7th uh, with the win over Ramaz. Uh, because of their play of late against TABC and Ramaz, it puts them right on the edge of being behind MTA at the 6th spot. Hank, as a result, drops down to 8th, not because, well, sorry, moves up to 8th because Ramaz drops all the way down to ninth after two disheartening losses to end their season um, with to uh, Frisch and SAR this week. So Hank, the beneficiary of the Ramaz losses, moves up one spot from ninth to eighth. North Shore at the ten, Ramam at the eleven, and Flappish at the twelve. JEC, Megan David, Solomon Schrechter, and Heschel round out the varsity uh, league for the week. All right, so that wraps up the week. We have about a minute to go, so very quick words from the wise. Another quote from John Wooden. Nothing will work unless you do. Pretty straightforward. Uh, if you're not going to put in the time and the effort, it won't work out. It's not Nothing just comes to you naturally at that. You have to actually put in the work unless you, you really don't want it done. And in that case, it's not going to happen. Well, thank you again for listening in. Uh, again, hope you enjoyed the hockey playoff uh, 
uh, scenario recap. Next week we'll have one for basketball, and we'll touch on the other main areas and give you just uh, a final in-depth look into the last two weeks of the regular season coming up. If you missed this or any part of any episode this season, you can catch the Encore presentation every Tuesday night at 7 p.m., or you can find the Court Report on iTunes or the Nachum Siegel Network app. Tomorrow morning, jam in the a.m. with Nachum Siegel from 6 to 9 a.m. live on the stream, NachumSiegel.com, or on your radio 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, 91.9 FM Rockland County. Once again, a huge thank you to our sponsors, Crown Trophy of Brooklyn. Please give them a call at 718-769-4111 for all of your plaque and trophy needs. For more of me, you can hear me every Tuesday morning on JM in the AM at around 720 with the Tuesday morning JM in the AM sports update. If you haven't visited the Court Report fan page on Facebook, please do so and click the Like tab. See you next week right here on the Court Report, only on the Nachum Siegel Network. Hi, this is Elliot Weiselberg, host of The Court Report. Stay tuned for more amazing musical selections and programming only on the Nachum Siegel Network. NachumSiegel.com